cannot do that again. Getting table. 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 Getting table with the Bruce, the Yank, and Captain Socks. Hello, future people. Jason the Bruce here with Getting Tabled alongside the captain of all of the footwear. That's right. How are you guys doing? Happy New Year. Uh, hope all your holidays were good. Yeah, definitely. I hope you enjoyed yours more than I did mine, given that mine was non-existent pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good. Had about a week and a half off work all in a row, so it was nice. I get a month off in February. I wish I had a month off, but... You just nope. had three months away from work. Shush you. <laughs> it was four months, but it was not away from work. It's not my fault that you chose to spend your holidays working. In Saudi Arabia desert, yeah. You were, Sleeping in a tent. You got to do international travel when the rest of us were all locked in our homes. That is true. That is true. Five star accommodation. <laughs> uh, one's the half star. <laughs> at best. Well, it would be five star anyway. accommodation, but you bumped it down by a three and a half. Yes. All right. Um, George is not going to be with us this week. His um, week working in the kitchen has taken a lot more out of him than he was expecting. So it's just the two of us today, but that's all right. We will move on regardless, starting with, if I turn the volume up, some news. Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. It's and this week we're actually starting by talking about some privateer press stuff. And long listeners of the channel will be going, wait, what? You're actually talking about privateer press? You never talk about privateer press. Well, Probably ever anymore. They haven't really done a lot lately, though. Not new stuff, at least, anyway. I mean, they've done yeah. a lot of... There's models they've released here and there. But the thing that caught my eye this week... Uh, they've got some new stuff coming out for War Machine and Hordes. This is part of a preview they're doing for um, War Machine and Hordes, obviously, in 2021. There's some nice-looking stuff, including a living house that looks all kinds of creepy. Um, but the thing that caught my eye, for long-term listeners of the channel, maybe even those that go back to the Hot LZ, is something that they're doing for Monster Apocalypse. They're releasing giant wasp armies, which is like the one thing that I said I wanted somebody to make was a giant wasp monster, because you can't buy one. Well, now you have one. I don't want to play another game, though. <laughs> I am I am going to have to buy this box though just so that I can paint it uh, I will find something to use it in or it will stay on a shelf forever I don't care I need to paint this uh, it could be used for D&D &D or it's something maybe yeah um, that'll work there's also these living robot elemental champion things I, I'm not as interested in those because they're not giant wasp monsters for those that are wondering why I've wanted a giant wasp monster for a very long time, I'm petrified of wasps. I turn into like a two-year-old child around them. I just... It's absolutely pathetic. Um, yeah, didn't you just get stung by a bee this week? I did get stung by a bee this week. They're not scary, though. No. Some would argue that wasps aren't either, and those people are wrong. 
So you're buying into your fears of getting a wasp armor now. Yep. Well, a, a wasp mini that I can paint at some point. <laughs> that won't harm you. Exactly. I can hold it in the palm of my hand and crush it if I choose to. That would only hurt me, both financially and probably physically, because it'll be yeah. that horrible rustic resin stuff that they use. Sorry, I shouldn't talk down about Privateer Press. The Privateer Press army will come and beat me up. Um, I just... They use that half resin, half plastic stuff. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody's a fan of it. Uh, I don't actually know nope. what that game is being made in. I assume it's still that stuff, but I don't actually know. I've not actually seen any of it in the flesh. Um, because as it was coming out, the world kind of closed down. Which makes yeah. it hard. Um, moving on, Kings of War. Uh, Mantic had actually three or four different previews they did over the last week. Um, you can actually see here, there's one, two, three, four, there's like a week and a half of it. Um, yeah. But I've just kind of picked a couple of things that I wanted to look at. Um, if you want to check the rest of this stuff out, it is all available on the Mantic website. There's a review of the year by Ronnie. They had a pretty good year, actually, Mantic did. Um, there's some previews for Vanguard, which is what we're about to look at. Um, what's coming up for Winged Hussar? I don't know what that is. Brush with Death, Kings of War, Walking Dead, um, Armada, Dreadball, and the other one we're going to look at in a moment is the sci-fi one. Oh, there's also a thing on Hellboy, but I'm not picking those out. The main thing I wanted to focus on here was they've given us a look at some more of the Ratkin models that are coming. Uh, this first one in particular, I just love this thing. It's kind of a better look of the Mini than we got last time. Uh, and we have some totally not... Uh, I've forgotten what they're called. Um, anyway, they're totally not um, Skaven assassin thingies um, with the giant sniper rifles that have shields in front of them. It's definitely not those. You can tell that it's definitely not those because there's not a second rat that's only there to hold the shield up. So this is completely different. It's really annoying me that I can't think what they're called because their gun is actually a real thing. Also, this gun is only like half the size of the other one because it's actually a real... Well, the other one's a real gun too. But you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, there was also a reminder there of the Halpies Rift special offer they're doing. Uh, which is basically the two-player starter set along with the free copy of the Halpies Rift rules, which has the updated points for everything. This is kind of an, a yearly thing that they do along with their um, yearly campaign. Obviously, the yearly campaign did not happen this year um, because everything was closed. Uh, and there's a sneak peek of something. I don't know what that is. Looks like a, just some details on his wrist guard or bracer or something like that. I want to say it's elvish, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Or dark elvish. Hard to tell. Um, on the other one, so that talks a little bit about Warpath, which is their mass battle sci-fi game. So it's their... 40k, it's not 40k, but it's their version of it. 
Dead Zone, which I've never played Dead Zone, but from everything I've heard about Dead Zone and watched about Dead Zone, it's amazing. Uh, it's I'm going to say that it's their version of Kill Team, but it's not Kill Team. It's very much its own thing. The sci-fi terrain that you've seen from Mantic that's all blocky all comes from this. Um, they've got some really nice stuff in there. But yeah, this is just kind of a preview for the rules that are coming up. Um, including some more from the Forge Fathers, which is Dwarves in Space. They actually did Dwarves in Space and they work. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, but... Big th oh, they've also got Skaven in space, which all of the works. I, I nearly brought into this just for those, and I chose not to because I didn't need another game. I can resist things, see? Very few things. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the thing from this I wanted to point out, though. So, if you're not familiar with Dreadball, it is... Blood Bowl, but sci-fi. Um, it's a game that's been around for quite some time now and does have a decent following. Uh, it's certainly not as big as Blood Bowl is, but it, it's got a decent following, without a doubt. There is a spin-off coming that's more based around gladiatorial combat. Um, they're only showing off this one particular miniature at the moment, which is the Tyredrax. Tigrax, rather, which is just gorgeous. Yeah, um, big lion with uh, some kind of a rider. It almost looks like a uh, orc or something riding a lion, almost. Yeah, it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of like a goblin, but it's got hair and a beard, and it almost look looks like it's got a bit of a beak thing. Yeah. Color me very curious on this one. Um, I'd kind of like to see somebody give Blood Bowl a genuine run for its money. Because although it's extremely popular, I still would argue that Blood Bowl is not as good a game as everybody makes it out to be. I think there's a very large percentage of nostalgia galgles on Blood Bowl. Um, which is why I'm not picking it up until they redo Chaos Dwarfs. Which they're not going to do, so I will never have to pick it back up again. But, yeah, very, very curious to see what happens with that. Coming up next, though, we have some robots and stuff for Star Wars. Yeah, so... Uh, the Rebel Empire already have kind of their own little specialist pack, and the Clone Wars factions, the droids, and the Galactic Republic are finally getting their own. And so, within each of these packs, they get four miniatures, uh, a generic commander that you can use with uh, generic command cards for each of the factions. And then they have a medic that you can go around and heal your uh, wounds off of normal characters or uh, bring back a, a wounded trooper that's died already. Mm -hmm. Or you can go around and repair vehicles. And then on the droid side, on the separatist side, you get a... Uh, where is he? A Viper Recon Droid, where you can go around and observe uh, enemy units, and it gets observation tokens, which then can then um, use in later uh, 
scenarios. And then on the Galactic Republic side, same kind of setup, but uh, you get a comms technician where you can get a comm upgrade for your unit. So you can do various comm links or whatnot that can boost your, your comm outputs for your armies. So looking forward to for these. Like I said, it gives you some three generic command cards that you can use in your army, even if you don't take the generic commanders. And so definitely looking forward to these. The one nice thing about the uh, the clone ver or the, the Galactic Republic, the clones, is they're considered combatants, where all the droid versions are not combatants. So uh, your, your regular droids, your medical droid, and your repair droid, they can't fight with you. They're just sitting there repairing vehicles or, or uh, wounding troops, whereas your clones, they're going to be able to fight alongside your guys, which will be interesting uh, to see on the battlefield. Yeah. So. Definitely. So it, so. They really do have a fairly smooth outlier with the Star Wars stuff that's coming in. Um, they do, and I hope I hope Atomic Mass Games moves forward. I mean, one of the creators of Legion uh, was able to get hired on by Atomic Mass Games. Uh, one of the others that was really heavily involved in it, unfortunately, was not. I think he made more of a, a stink about it, uh, just reading the forums and the group pages and stuff like that. And so he didn't make the transition team. Uh, so we'll see how it goes in the near future when they start releasing new units. Because so I haven't seen anything come out yet. Uh, I think Fantasy Flight has a few things left on their table that they were already in the works. Yeah. And so I think right now they're just running their, their course with getting those units out, and then we'll start seeing the stuff from the Top Mass games probably the next few months on new releases and what they have planned out. Yeah. I think, and we kind of touched on this when we spoke about it originally, I think from a customer point of view, I really don't think you're going to see any massive changes. It's just going to be... No. It's behind the scenes and the releases that'll change because yep. the big problem with that game has always been they couldn't keep up with demand um, correct whether that's and, because and they you... couldn't do it or because it was officially set that way I, I don't think it was officially set that way I just know that yeah. people have made that accusation um, yeah yeah um, on the Bushido side of things GCT, which is the company that makes it, have started bringing out some actual mats of their own. So this game is two foot by two foot. There's not a lot of companies that make game mats in that size. There's a nice Very generic uh, Battlefield one that I quite like. Not as much as I love the Temple one, though. The Temple Ruins is easily my favourite of these and by a huge margin yeah it does look nice um, and there's a Tengu Mountain one as well which is quite nice I really do think that the um, the Temple Ruins wins by a landslide uh, £24 so that's what about $35 ish yeah about that it's not bad about um, it all. If I didn't already own a grass mat, I would probably buy the Temple Ruins one. But I don't need two mats for the game. That seems like a giant waste of money for me. 
But for those that don't want to build their own board for a game that's... Because two foot by two foot is not a game size that a lot of games do. So... Minimum, you see, that's more common as a three by three. Yeah. X-Wing is three by three. Um, Malifo. Is, is Infinity three or... No, it can go four, four by it's six. It's four by four, I believe, Infinity. Or four by four, yeah, for Infinity. But... Yeah. Yeah, normally it's three by three is your minimum that you see more common. Yeah. Um, this next one is... We're, we're just going to kind of touch on this briefly. Uh, the new FAQs are out for 40k and Age of Sigma. Um, there's some fairly big things. There's some fairly obvious things. Uh, I think the biggest news story coming out of this was the, the, the thing where technically an apothecary could raise a bike from the dead which everybody says was stupid um has been officially ruled as stupid and not allowed to happen anymore um i don't think that really surprised anybody um there was already people that were calling very very loudly for that to be done um it was kind of a i think it was pretty obvious that it was a it was a wording error in the way that they had put it um, pretty much on the 40k side, I'm just giving a scroll through here for those that are watching the video version. As you can see, this is it's pretty much everything. There's only a couple of things that haven't been done. Uh, this is the only one of these in recent memory that I can think of, at least, where the community hasn't split down the middle with some praising it and some crying out that they're killing the game. It's been pretty universally gone, yay! So... That's good. Um, it's not really much else to talk about. None of us... I mean, I am getting into 40k again, but I'm not playing it yet. Uh, and Sox has never played 40k. So we are not the sort of people to go to to ask for tactical advice on that. Um, depending on who you're looking for, there are a couple of sources that I can recommend. Uh, Norn Queen Alexis would be one of them. Um, I'm going to say the name wrong, but it's like Kiriath or something. Um, shoot out a message and I'll recommend a couple of channels that I've been following, if that's what you're looking for. And the last of the news, we're deliberately keeping the news a little shorter this week, um, is some new exclusive models. Now, we've had our discussion on what we think about exclusive models more than once, and we're not going to retread that ground. Um, too long didn't read version is we think they should go away and they should stop uh, but let's have a look at the actual models themselves uh, this Cryptek the, the Necron Cryptek I really like I kind of like the fact that he looks like he's using the staff to hold himself up I, I do kind of like that my favourite of all of them is this Beast Bane model Beast Bane? yeah Beast Bane I almost want one of these just for that hammer that's also an axe. Um, I'm not going to get one, obviously, but I really love the design of this weapon. Um, and the fact that he's holding like a giant minotaur head is kind of cool as well. Um, otherwise, you've got your usual bags and... All of this stuff is for the local store's anniversary. So these are limited minis that you'll only be able to buy at a certain time. You would have to check your local Warhammer stores for when that is. 
because it'll be different dates depending on when your store was opened. Um, so you will not be able to accept the uh, be access to these under other situations. Um, they have said that it may be done on different days than it would normally do to um, closures and stuff. But they've said that everyone will get a chance to get the, the minis. To my knowledge, these will not be appearing on the website at all. Um, which centres around the reason why we've talked down about this practice in the past. But otherwise, news-wise, like I said, we're actually keeping it kind of simple this week. Because in our game talk, we're going to kind of do a return to form and talk about some drop fleet stuff. We've been asked if we can talk about some tactics and stuff for that end drop zone. So we're going to start doing some regular chats in game talk again, like we used to. Yep. But before we do, I'm going to play this little bumper here. And then Captain Socks is going to talk about some stickers that he found. It's time that one Bruce and two Yanks gave some attention to the Indies. Go for it, Captain Socks. Alright, so most of you have heard in previous uh, episodes that I got into Warlords Victor at Sea, which is about an eight, one 1800-scale uh, naval miniatures set in World War II. And uh, I was in the process of painting up the, the USS Essex, which is a carrier for the U.S. fleet. And I was trying to find some naval decals, specifically the little numbers that you would see on the front of carriers so that they could have their carrier designation uh, more easily identified to pilots as they're flying over the fleet, getting ready to land back at the fleet after their missions. Well, anyways, in doing my research, I came across this uh, website, Flight Decals, and they do various different decals for ships from... 1800 decks to 13000 scale decks. They even do tanky decals. And so uh, they don't have any right now for Warlords uh, ships. But they do have some for some other models. And so I'm looking forward to getting the uh, Warlord versions out and slapping these on my naval uh, carriers here soon. Instead of having to paint all those little lines on there by hand. Yeah. Slap the decal on there. I mean, just just looking at the one eight hundred one alone, you've got Japanese stuff from Pearl Harbor, um, Midway yeah, you, fleet carriers, early war, uh, U.S. Navy. The whole range of yeah, yeah, the whole range of U.S. carriers. They've got Royal the, Navy, even the German and Italian range. carriers. Yeah. So. It's not and something I'd ever even thought about. Oh my god. They've got Asian and Australian stuff. Yeah. So if you go to the... That shows how much I, attention I paid to this. I didn't even yeah, see that. Yeah. If you just go to the regular IGN Fleet Carriers deck, and you scroll down to the Zuikaku, Shokaku 1944 Camos game, that's, that's the version of, that they painted on the ship's in the pictures, or at least like it's painted. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that by hand. I don't know if I have the patience, yeah. let alone the uh, fortitude to be able to do something like that. So, I don't know if I'll do that paint scheme, 
Uh, I'll probably just do the regular red circle or, or whatever they have from the earlier days of the war. Yeah. But uh, definitely a cool idea that someone's put together. And... The fact that they have actually bothered to do the stuff from the Pacific really does say something about these guys too, though. Because that's an yeah. era of the war that, at least for the Americans and the UK, kind of gets ignored. Because they mm-hmm. weren't there. Um, well, America was there a little bit. America they, was there primarily. UK wasn't. I mean, they, had, they UK sent a few no. ships down to the Royal Navy. But even the then, Australian Navy. Most, most historical gamers tend to concentrate on the ground. Um, yes. And when it's on the ground, it's mostly in Europe. Yeah. For World War II. I mean, for anyone that's into history, like actually have a look at the Pacific War. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that went on there. Uh, it got really, 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 really dangerous for the Australians at one point. We came most very people, close to being yeah. invaded. Yes. Um, and, and actually, most people don't realise that the... Yes, everyone knows about the German wolf pack and how deadly they were with the shipping that went from the US to Britain to yeah. Russia. But they didn't seek as much tonnage as the, as the US did against the Japanese. The U.S. actually shaped more tonnage with their submarines yeah. against the Japanese shipping than the Germans did. So. Yeah. So, news-wise, that's kind of it for this week. Um, but, ooh, I've just realised I missed one of the bumpers. And it was the one I was the most excited about playing. So, very, very quickly, I'm going to drag that in. No, not that one. Oh, I don't have the hobby one. Oh well. Ah, oh, boo. Oh well. What have you been doing hobby-wise, Captain Socks? I'm guessing probably uh, not much. Well, since my son's got. Uh... The Clone Wars starter set to share uh, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, helping them put together their clones and their droids, uh, teaching them how to clip sprues and shave shave down stuff, and you know properly glue stuff instead of just glue your fingers together like <laughs> most of us do in the early days of hobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's common. Yes, so that's what I've been up to uh, lately. I haven't really been doing much on my own, uh, just getting them started. So I hope to get uh, painting on my droids that I have primed at least so far, finish them up, and then uh, finish up a few other projects that I have. Got some rebels uh, that are primed, have been primed for a while that I need to finish up. So that's what I have coming in the works. Nice. So. You? Since we spoke last, um, the big thing for me has been that I finally finished my Skaven Pledge, um, which Great. had been Hello, in the work for... Uh, Jason the Bruce. I'm trying to show off the video that I did for it. Uh, there are unsaved changes. Uh, yes. Um, okay, so just skipping through here to find a couple of things. I did a video where I kind of shown off some of the stuff that I actually worked on. Which, if I skip to the very end of the video, 
we've got three Storm Fiends, uh, one of which was already done prior to the pledge. This Warp Lightning Cannon was already done before the pledge as well, as was the... I forgot what it's called. The, de the, the, the Giant Wheel of Death, where they run inside of it, whatever that thing's called. We've hamster got, wheel? Yeah, the giant hamster wheel of death. <laughs> uh, we've got 40 clan rats. That's probably the most mind-numbing of what I went through, was trying to get those done. Just because it's just so much of the same. Uh, and there's three extra models that I threw in there for some stupid reason. Um, I still don't quite know why I did that. Um, they do still need to be um, dirtied up a little bit but that was a deliberate choice of mine at the time because I wasn't sure how I wanted to get it done until after the um, the army was put together. So, I'm just trying to find my hero model. Oh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that that's the main thing of what I'd been up to. Um, so... Nice. My original plan was that I was going to do my Frostgrave stuff next. Uh, I have made the decision that that is going on hold probably permanently for now, at least until some things in real life change uh, that's not related to the hobby. Um, and I'm going to probably start on my Blood Angels. It's either going to be my Blood Angels, because that's where I'm excited Either that, or I may actually fire up another one of my Skaven things. Or I may start stripping my Bushido, maybe? I don't know. I haven't decided yet, as I said, so we'll see. It's probably going to end up being the Blood Angels, though, because that's the thing that I've been itching to get my hands on. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to play this bumper. Nerd up, you've got to say. When you hear the roll you've got a bruising underway, nerd up it's the code word, no matter where you play it you know you've got to nerd. And for those of you paying attention, yes, yes I deliberately took the mickey out of word up, probably one of the better songs from the 80s. I don't care, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Also, for those that are wondering why these have all changed, because George couldn't join us at the last minute, we didn't have the time to get the new bumpers from him. So I'm currently playing the ones that were being tested for use. You probably will not hear these again. Um, we'll see. Um, so, we are going to be discussing the Battle for Earth. Uh, we're going to concentrate on Drop Fleet today. Uh, we're having a, another look at the Destroyers, which are models that we've all loved the look of when they were first released. And yeah, we did now talk the about their rules. Yeah. I think we talked... I, I know we talked about them because we saw them, we did, the yeah. pictures of them. And I don't know if we talked about them since the, the stats and everything have come out. but I think uh, we looked at them very briefly, but it was one of our very true. first episodes. Yes. For those that have been uh, following us for a long time, this is essentially what the Hot LZ was initially, was looking over all of the rules from start to finish. So it's kind of a return yeah, to form for us. Yep. Um, Thanks to Darren Gross uh, from the Drop Fleet Commander community on Facebook. 
yeah. he was asking if there was any podcasts out there related to the, to the Drop Zone universe. And our Patreon JP mentioned us to him. And so I was chatting with him on there. And he's kind of wanting to see what kind of tactics are out there for the ships. And yeah. I said we could, we could discuss some stuff, not just for Drop Zone or, or Drop Fleet, but also Drop Zone since we both yeah. play that. George is getting into Drop Zone a little bit. Uh, yeah, very, I mean, I think it was bit. the other way around. He was very heavily wanting Drop Zone, but was also interested in Drop Fleet. Um, yes. Which is a game I've played a little bit of. Um, so tactics-wise, we're going to be discussing the destroyers today and whether they're worth taking as over your other options we probably would have been suggesting a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. Starting with the UCM. UCM. So with the UCM, you got your three different types of destroyers. You got your Havana, which is just your regular destroyer. Uh, with the light torpedo on there. Uh, your basic stats for your destroyers is a 6-inch scan range, 4-inch signature, 10-inch thrust, uh, 6 hole points, an armor of 4-up, 3-point uh, defense. The Havana, you can take 2-3 to three, uh, in a grouping uh, for 50 points. It is a rare because you got that light torpedo. So 2-3 to three light torpedoes. Uh, people have been Lately on the forums, has been wondering where whether torpedoes have actually been worthwhile, or if the rules in second edition kind of screwed up torpedoes a little bit. I haven't played a lot of second edition yet, so I need to get back into it and, and look and see how torpedoes are fixed a little bit. I know in version one, torpedoes were a little clunky. If you were trying to figure out if they were actually worth it, when they hit, they hit hard. Um, but people were saying the light torpedoes hit really, really well. Uh, I haven't played much with the Havanas, but as a U former UCM player, uh, I do like the look of them. Um, so again, two to three little light torpedoes, it's pretty much your basic um, main attack for these guys. You do have the Shark Missile Base, which is a uh, lock four D6 plus two as your close action weapon. Um, so yes, you could take these um, in groupings. Uh, I would probably take these for 50 points, it's not bad. Uh, I'm pulling out the old, the original rule book, and if I remember correctly, the New York was about the only ship that you got torpedoes with the UCM, and that was 260 points as a battleship. Yeah. Quickly flip, flipping through these, and so for 150 points, you bring three, you're getting three light torpedoes. Uh, with the limited two, so you got six torpedoes at between the three of them because it, these can launch two uh, total, one at a time. So for 110 points cheaper than a than a New York, you're getting six light torpedoes uh, instead of the the two that you can get from the New York. Yeah. So it's not a bad option for a destroyer. Uh, I I did face these in the tournament that I was part of. A year and a half ago now? No, almost two years. Um, and th they definitely were effective. Um, but I wouldn't say that they were the be-all and end-all. Um, they definitely were effective against me, but they may not have done if I had have rolled anything other than ones occasionally. Um, yeah. I, I they they also look gorgeous. They do. I, I like all the, the UCM 
Destroyer looks. But I don't think they're going to be your number one choice. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit here later. Uh, the Vancouver is your escort carrier. Uh, for 55 points, you have a launch of two. Uh, again, you got some Barracuda missile bays, so you only have a two attack with your close action weapons. Um, for 165 points, because you can get them in a grouping of one to three, um, for 165 points, you can get three of them, and that is a little bit more expensive than a Seattle, which is 100. And, hang on a second, 132 points. A Seattle gives you a launch of four, three, and so for 33 extra points, you get a you get three more launch because you got three ships instead of one. Uh, I yeah. do remember when the game first came out, uh, Dave loved to, to spam Seattles. He had a fleet of four or five Seattles, and that's what, that was his primary UCM fleet that he would build upon, but just because he locked all those launch aspects. Um, so I think out of the three, Vancouver would probably be the middle choice um, to use. Uh, but the Kievs uh, are 65 points, and they will probably be your go-to destroyers in terms of UCMs, just because of their mass drivers that they have. Uh, it's a lot three, attack two, two damage apiece. Um, the reason why I would bring them almost every single time is because of that atmospheric fuselage special rules on their mass drivers. Having a main mass gun that can shoot into atmosphere and deal two damage to a strike carrier would be the reason why. Yeah. Even though it's a forward-facing forward facing and only forward-facing weapon, uh, it's not like your other UCMs that were known of to have turreted weapons. Even forward-facing, I would take this in a heartbeat. Because if you go weapons free, you're adding an attack dice as well. Yeah, so, that's right. So, uh, Kiev-wise, uh, can grow, only get two in a group, uh, but that makes sense when you're dealing two damage a piece uh, on, for each attack. Yep. Um, you can pretty much take out a strike carrier easily with two of them if you get the right rules. So, I would bring those in a heartbeat. I've played with them, played against them. They are nasty. They're fun to play. Uh, I would take those in, in light of, like, your Osaka's or your little light cruisers. Especially um, for the points. Exactly, for the points. I mean, uh, uh, 130 points will get you two Kievs, uh, whereas an Osaka's 86 points. Uh, let me see if your normal other cruisers are. Your Berlin is 105 points. Your Rio, which is the two twin turreted uh, cruiser, is 105 points. So, for 25 extra points, you're getting two Kievs, and you're getting a very heavy mass weapon that can shoot in the atmosphere. Yeah. So, I would yeah. take a couple of those over a Rio. For those that are not overly familiar with these models. They come in a blister of three, and yes. you can build a set of three of whichever one of these you want. Hypothetically, they are magnetizable. Um, if you want, so if you would like to build them to be everything, you could do that. But you yes. could not have a you could not have a group that had one of each. You would have to no. take them as the rules would say. And the reason why that is is the Kiev uses three of the little spars 
whereas the other two uses two spars. And so yeah. if you build the, the Kievs, you can only build two Kievs total out of the, the box because yeah. you're going to be using all six spars that you would normally be able to share between the other three. Yeah. So. It's not the easiest kit to magnetize, but it is magnetizable, very much so. Yes. Agreed. Um, on to Scourge? Yep. So, on to the Scourge. Um, more for Captain Sox's point of view than you than people that are watching the video, but I'm just showing the pictures of the models on the website at the moment, just for people that are curious. Um, okay, I'm going to start with the Scourge Revenant. Uh, this is the launch version. You're going to start seeing a few similarities between these. Um, so the Revenant has a launch of two, same as the UCM one did. Um, they have Oculus Rays, which are three plus. You get one attack, one damage. They have Scald, uh, because it's Scourge. Every, Scourge, everything has Scald. Yes. Um, the Plasma Storm is the close action. Um, it, this one also can take the Cloaking Crest, which means that it gains Stealth and Partial Cloak. Um... I wouldn't take these without that. Yeah. Because for that five points, it's just so much better. Um, but it's not the version of this ship that I took. Next, we have... Oh, sorry, and there's 60 points a ship. So yeah, a minimum, of, minimum grouping of two. Yeah. So you have to have at least two. So you're spending 120 points. Minimum. Yep. To bring these. Um... Which is, if I move across to my list, no, not that one. That is that one. So I, I'm just seeing what else we have here. See, with the Scourge, I don't tend to use the launch assets very often. Um, it's just not the way I play them. Um, well, if I remember the Hydra the greatest... is the one that you would normally use for 140 points. So, and that one has a launch of 5. So, at 130 points, you wouldn't take these over the Hydra. Because it's only 10 points more, and you're getting another launch for those that 10 points. Yeah. Um... In saying that, just checking. This one doesn't have the um, stealth or the um, partial cloak the rules, though. Correct. So, oh, maybe that does change it a little bit. Um, you've also got six hull versus ten. Oh, that's actually very close. Because it's very, very close. The destroyers, the revenants will probably last on the battlefield longer because it's unlikely that they're going to be able to split between the two of them where the Hydra is yeah. going to get all of your attack. Like, they are going to concentrate on it. Um, yeah, especially with the, the Hydra has a 6 or an 8-inch signature, whereas yeah. the revenants have a 5-inch, but they also have that stealth and partial cloak ability. Which, yeah... Um, no, I'd probably so a, go for choice. the Revenants. I'd go, probably go for the Revenants over the Hydra. A Hydra? But only if you 
to had the points to spare. Neither of them yeah. would be a bad choice. Because you'd probably want the three, which is going to take yeah. you up to 195 points if you're taking the extra skill, um, yeah. which is much more expensive at that point. But it's going to last a lot longer because of the special abilities that it has. Um, it's a toss-up. Because, yeah, like I said, because there's other things that you're going to want to take. Yeah. And that's a lot of things just for one. Wait, can you take three of them? I don't think you can. Yeah, you can. It's a yep. grouping of two to four. Cool. Uh, next, I'm going to talk about the Incubus, which is 55 points each. You can do the cloaking quest with all three of these, just for the record. So I'm not going to touch on that again. Uh, it is an auto-include with all three versions of this ship. There is no way you would not take it with any of them. Um, so for 55 points, uh, this is a grouping of two to three. Uh, you've got the Oculus Rifts again, but then you've also got Furnace Blasters. This is the Scourge's version of the Burn 3 Light. <gasps> Sorry, the burn three laser. Uh, it's a front narrow attack, but that's fine. Um, it's got one of two versions. Either a lock of four plus with three attacks, or a lock of two plus with one attack. So it depends on if you want to run the... Because obviously you're risking missing, but it means that you're getting more attacks. Um, and a higher on... burn through... Your lock four. Oh, actually, that is a good turn. Six. I didn't Whereas notice your, that. Your lock two plus only has a burn through of two. Yeah. So, so you're guaranteed you're, more. You're, it's it's the old argument of guaranteed damage versus the risk of doing more damage. Um, I'm one of the few people that would probably argue that there is no wrong decision there. I know it's more popular to go with the guaranteed damage. But given that I roll ones most of the time anyway, it doesn't make any difference to me. Um, still has Scald. Um, scald means you want to get up close, and if you get up close, they have less armor, basically. Um, and you've got Plasma Squall, which is their close action. Um, this is one of their only burn-through options. It's not a huge thing on the... Scourge. It's not their only, but it's one of their only. No. Their only other one is on their Dreadnought. Yes. The Cthulhu. And you would not be comparing those two ships. No. So, just saying how rare burn-throughs are on the, on the yeah. Scourge army, and we know how valuable burn-throughs are with PHR and UCMs having burn-through lasers. Actually, nice I know I just said let's not compare them, but hang on, let's have a look. The Scorch Cthulhu is 470 points. So, we are looking at a massive difference, hence why they're not comparable. Uh, the other one has a burn through 20, so it's nuts. Yes. Um... I think four, that's the version lock. I built. I don't remember which one I built. A lock of four, 12, 12 attack. Uh, you, you shouldn't have to be uh, rolling that too many that many ones there, Bruce. You should be able to get a few fours out of that. <laughs> Hopefully. You'd want to hope so, yeah. Um, next up is 
what I consider to be the best of the lot. Um, it, it, it is probably a toss-up, and it depends on how you want to build your army. Um, but I quite like the succubus. That is what I took in the in the um, tournament list that I had. Um, still got Skull. You're still taking the Cloaking Crest. Again, there's no reason not to take that. I mean, if you really can't afford it, um, try to cut elsewhere. I, I don't think these yeah. are worth taking without the five points. Oh, no, no, I take that back. They are still worth taking, but it's just... It really is that good that you want them to have the Cloaking Crest. Um, Minimum grouping of two, up to three. Yep. So you're looking at 120 points with the crest. With the crest. Yep. Um, minimum, yep. Uh, which makes it 100 and... 120. 120 to 180. 180, yeah. 180 is what I was thinking of. Um, it's This one's all Oculus Beams. Um, so you've got Oculus Beams all the way around. Um, it's all three pluses, uh, but they're all doing two damage, and that's the killer here. Uh, these things will destroy if you let them. Um, these are things that will draw fire. So either you're destroying things with them or you're using them as a big flashy ship to take damage so that everything else goes through. If you play it right, you're not losing either way. I mean, I hate having yeah. things get destroyed, but not if it means that something else got pulled off. Well, the nice thing too is that their, their close action weapon, their Seekers, are able to go into atmosphere too. So yes. you bring them into low orbit, you go weapons free a couple of times, you're hitting... A, a cruiser or something with your Oculus beams and then hitting the, the strike carriers nearby yep. with your Seekers. Which means that the there's not a lot of things that can reliably take on the strike carriers. And you no. can do it with these. Um, it's close action. Um, it is an alt, so you can't use this and the Oculus beams. But oh, that's right. It's still well, unless you, unless you go weapons free. Oh, true. Yeah, you could go weapons free. And actually, if if you're that low, oh, actually, you can't take this into atmosphere though. No, you can't take it into atmosphere. You can take it into the low orbit though. Yeah, and then shoot down into atmosphere. And then shoot down without the penalty. So if you're going to be firing weapons free, you're still vulnerable. But it could help save the long game. Because you have to remember, yes. Drop Fleet is a game about getting troops to the ground. It's not usually about destroying each other's ships. No. You can lose games if that's all you're concentrating on. Um, it's very Absolutely. easy to get distracted by the distraction. And that's where I say a lot of new players getting into this game have a, have a hard time understanding what the, the point of the game is because you got these nice fleets that you're trying to rush in and, and destroy each other yeah but that's not the overall objective of the game as you just stated it's getting troops on the ground controlling those clusters and those sectors yeah um I would argue that for the scourge the um the destroyers are must include uh you must find room in your f in your fleet for this uh okay. personally I run with two squads of succubus um, That's not that. 165 points 
Um, sorry, 180 points. There is something I want to touch on. Um, DF list, for those that are still using it, over the drop fleet version, the official one, has a fault in it where it doesn't allow you to select the... Um, the cloaking crests so you need to keep in mind that you have to save those 15 points because you don't want to be screwing over the friend that you're playing with by conveniently forgetting things yeah, that'd be bad. which is exactly Boy, how it will look yeah. um, I think that the drop fleet one is okay I'm just mentioning it because I know that there are still a lot of people using DF list um, what about the only option available when the game first came out? And I think yeah. that's why. And he did an amazing job with it. Awesome job. Uh, anyway. You want to start on the PHR stuff? PHRs? Yep. So with PHR, everybody, when they first announced the Destroyers, everyone was like, why is the PHR getting four? There's a reason why we got four. Because there's, in a sense, two variants. Yep. Within two variants. So in a sense... There's two main types, and then they broke it down into two subsets within each of the each of the types. Uh, so I'll go over the first main type, um, which is just your regular destroyers. Uh, you've got your Electra, uh, and the nice thing about the Electra is finally the PHR had a very nice forward-facing weapon. Uh, yes. As most players know with PHR. Your primary weapon are your broadsides on your battleships, your cruisers, your battle cruisers, uh, even your uh, your frigates on the Europa. And so when the Electra came out, everyone was very excited that we actually finally had a nice forward-facing weapon with the twin heavy calibers with a lock of three to attack uh, heavy and super heavy weapons. So in other words, yeah. they're, they are battleship and dreadnought killers. And, and heavy cruiser killers. Um, minimum of two uh, in a grouping up to three, 65 points. Um, their mosquito drones aren't bad too, uh, but definitely worth taking. If you can't take the upgraded version, I'll talk about that here in a minute, definitely worth taking a group of these. Um, the other subtype, subtype, subset type of this is the Andriand, uh, which is their uh, bulk lander. So it's kind of like similar to Electra. Instead of getting a third twin heavy caliber, you're only getting one uh, twin heavy caliber weapon. Ariadne. But you're able to land. Yeah, thank you. You're <laughs> able to land. You're you're able to land bulk landers uh, on the sectors nearby. So so the nice thing about these ships is their thrust value. So the PHR ships are very very slow. Um, mm. The battle. The battle cruiser. Oh, I can't remember it. Uh, I'm looking through the old book. Give me a second. Uh, Leonidas uh, Agamemnon had a had a thrust value of ten. That was the fastest ship, that, other than the frigates, yeah. at the time for PHR. Uh, so having a a, a destroyer with a thrust value of eight and being able to land stuff at the same time was very very nice. Um, and then we get over to the blockade runner type versions uh, of the destroyers, and you got your Jason. Uh, it it uh, this is ours. Loses, yes, ours. 
Uh, it loses one of the twin heavy caliber uh, weapons in uh, replacement of a, a higher thrust value. So your thrust goes from 8 to 12, uh, limited to a grouping of 1 to 3. All of your cruiser or destroyer points are 65, except for the Odysseus, or, or Odysseus which is 80 points. Um, because you get wasp drones as well as a bulk lander that goes 12 inches. And so this one is able to, on those boards where you're set up on the 12 inch corners, mm. and you got your sectors that are diagonal corner from you, these are the ships that are able to get up there almost as fast as the Scourge and Shaltari ships yeah. are able to, and, and be able to start dropping stuff before your opponent is, if you're able to do so. And so uh, those two, the Jason and the Odysseus, are both rare. So you can only take one squad, depending on... You're limited on the number of squads or groups you can bring. Um, but definitely well worth it. I took a couple of Jasons, along with some Odysseuses, just as kind of a support, and put those on a flank in one of the games that I played. And uh, did very well uh, with those twin heavies. Mm. Uh, so landers well can be it. very, very good in the game. But you need yes. to remember that they will draw fire. Yes, they will. Um, and they're not guaranteed to reach the ground. No. The nice thing about the Jason as well, I forgot to mention, is their close-action weapon. The Kingfisher drones can also go into atmosphere. Uh, oh, so yes. That's why, I brought, that's why I brought them with the Odysseus, is take out enemy strike carriers that are dropping troops on the same sector cluster that Odysseus is trying to drop their bulk landers on. Yep. So... I like the fact that um, they've named that appropriately. Yes, it's absolutely. very appropriate. I didn't even notice that. Um, so yeah, I don't I think, think I could pick between the two. I like the idea of taking a squad of each. Yes, they're I nice. I think I'd probably weigh the Odysseus over the Jason, maybe. I think it has that slight edge, edge just because of the being able to drop. Depends, it depends on what your normal. list needs more. If you need more launch, then obviously you want the Odysseus. If you yes. need more firepower because you're struggling with the... Um, especially if you're someone that's struggling with the early game of lining things up, then the Jasons is probably going to be your must-take. That or the Electra, because you're going to have a higher... You're going to have two twin heavy caliber weapons. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That way, when you go weapons free, you're shooting four dice instead of two dice. Yeah. Otherwise, freight ships to have in the fleet. Mm. Um, again, like you, you just mentioned, it's so hard as a beginner PHR player to learn how to get your ships lined up right at the right time, especially against Shaltari, because Shaltari, they just like to sit in the back yeah, and snipe everyone, as we all know. And so... Yep, very uh, much so. All right. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk into a, a fun one when we get into the Dreadnoughts for the PHR here in a little while. Yeah. In a couple episodes, and we'll talk about the fun cannon that they just finally brought out for us. But anyways, on to Shaltari. Okay. Now, you'll have to forgive me with Shaltari. I'm not as familiar with these rule breakers and cheaters and <laughs> hor horrible people that play these games. Uh, George? No, no offense, of course, but if you play Shaltari, you're the scum of the earth. Um, no, but we're just, I'm only saying this to pick on George. It's his fault yes. for not being here. He was supposed to cover these. He was supposed to cover these. He volunteered through me because I volunteered him for it. 
Um, Looks-wise, I think Shiltar is probably the loser here, looks-wise. I mean, I don't yes. hate these. I just don't think they look as nice as the other ones. No. Um, and I'm just going to read these in order. Even the resistance ones look better than these ones. Oh, good point. I need to get the resistance ones up. Well, are we going to talk about them now, or are we going to talk about it when we go over the entire resistance fleet? Um, that might be a better idea. Um, I just thought we could... We'll cover that in a sec. Um, the Shaltaria Chromium. So, 65 points each. Again, you're looking at a grouping of two to three. Um, you're going to... That, that's... Like I said earlier, you're going to notice some things that are similar between these. Um, the Chromium... So, the Chromium has Disruptor Beamers, which are three plus lock, two attacks, one damage. That's a front-firing cannon, essentially. You've also got a Thermal Lance Cannon, which is their burn-through. Um, they don't have a lot, but they do have more burn-throughs than the Scourge does. Uh, that's a burn-through 3. It's a lock 2. That's actually really good. Not bad for mm. burn-through weapon. Especially burn-through 3. Yeah. Um, and the Harpoon Volley is their close action. Um, it, otherwise, I mean, it, it seems decent for what it is. Um, the Mercury is next, which is at 60 points. It's got the same grouping. Um, the Disruption Beamer is the same, but this one has the Pulse Ion Bank, which has a special rule for its lock. Can you look up the rule for Mauler for me? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it is to myself, actually. It's a 3-plus attack. Sorry, sorry. It's got three attacks that are one damage each. It's got Mauler six. It is. All right. Uh, Mauler... Uh, no, it's the armor. The Mauler is being fired at a ship that has armor three plus. The lock number of the Mauler is therefore also three plus. So it's your... Oh, it's that one. It's your, yep. So it's your target's armor value. It becomes your lock value. Yep. Fair enough. And the other win is the home ship. Um, I think this is probably what most people are taking, realistically. Um, just because it was another way of getting gates, essentially. Because uh, you, you can use this as like a midway between your actual mothership yep. and and the actual... The void gates. The void gates. Uh, yep. This one has a grouping of one to three. Uh, it's got a launch of one. Uh, it's got the same disruption beamers, and it's got a harpoon volley, which it's its, which is its um, close action. This one's only forty-five points too, so I really th I don't see why you wouldn't take this because it helps you get your chains together a lot easier. Uh huh. Especially when you've got a thrust of twelve inches, it means that you're not having to wait so long. This can actually yeah. keep up. Uh, and help keep everything else at the back. Um, yeah. That's the way I'd go with it anyway. Personally. Now. The reason that we are saying that we are going to cover. The resistance rules. In a video of their own. Is because their rules are kind of a little bit different. Because. Most they of their ships. ships. 
are customizable, yes. Um, so we will cover those in an episode of their own. It will not be next episode because we're going to do something from Drop Zone next episode. Um, possibly think, the episode after? I don't know. We'll have to see. I think monitors are probably yeah, next. Probably monitors and then or dreadnoughts and then we might cover resistance. So month, um, month or so, month and half and away. We need to cover the little tunnely thingies too. The, the lighters? The lighters, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so we got those three, four sub subships, and then uh, the resistance. So probably a couple months. Yeah. So if we, if we flip back and forth between DFC and DZZ. Yeah. So very, very lightly touching on t tactics with Drop Zone Command. Sorry, Drop Fleet Commander. When you're building your lists, you need to be able to cover multiple fronts. Because you need to have enough firepower to keep them away from destroying you. Because if you're going to sit there helpless, which you can't really in this game anyway. But no. if, you're, if you've got no teeth, then they're just going to take you out and they'll still have enough time in the game to still get their points in. Um... But you can't do that without forgetting the ground game because the ground game is way too important. Um, you don't always actually... need to take stuff to fire at the ground. There are rules for destroying things on this, on the ground. Um, yeah. But you always need to be able to put things down there. And a, a pretty high targeted ship at all times are going to be your drop ships. Yep. Uh, most most people will target your dropships before they will target other things, unless you're up in your face and your dropships are behind your your main line. Um, Mainly because, because of how valuable they are. Yeah, the, the dropships get to put more down faster, and they're easier to attack than the strike carriers are. Strike yes. carriers, you can waste a lot of firepower trying to take them out if you don't have the right ships. Um, yep. I'm not saying that you should ignore them. But you should not be firing at those instead of firing at other things. I would only be firing on those if you didn't have a choice in the matter. The, the only time you'd really fire at those is if you had a ship like the Jason or the Kiev or yeah. the Succubus. Or you had Corvettes in the same vicinity as a strike carrier. Yeah. Something that has atmosphere, which we, when we just went over the Shaltaris, I just saw none of the Shaltari destroyers had a weapon that was atmospheric. No, it, it's probably the only downside of Shatari don't have a lot of atmospheric. Um, they don't. It's um every every fleet in this has a weakness of their own. Um, so obviously the strength of the resistance is you can kind of build whatever you want. Um, yes. But then but you fall into the trap weakness. of yeah, because um, jack of all trades, master of none. Yep, absolutely. You can focus too much in one area and not be defensible on another yeah so that's it for that for the moment um we shall Darren let us know if that works and uh we will uh continue on yeah and adjust as needed or anybody else that listens to us and for the record if you have a specific game that you would like us to cover some stuff on um, obviously we are concentrating on our first love initially um, but we are open for ideas of future games especially if it's a game that you feel does not get enough attention when it comes to this sort of stuff 
Um, but I'm going to play this bumper. Upcoming events, events, events. Definitely a realistic echo. Events, events. Thank you. All right. So upcoming events. Uh, we've actually got a couple of things this this time. Uh, we've still got the Project 500 that we covered last time. Michelle's actually been nice enough to give us some more detail on how it works this time. Um, so the idea is supposed to be that you're trying to paint up 500 points of something from either Drop Fleet or Drop Zone each month. It's a general hobby motivation thing. Um, in this particular month though, as well as that, they're also doing a winter painting competition uh, to paint one centerpiece to go with that 500 points. Um, so that's actually a competition that's going on with some prizes that's attached to that. Um, however, Chris Visser, it might be Visser, it's one or the other, uh, or neither, I could be wrong entirely, is running a tournament for Drop Fleet Commander through Tabletop Simulator. So, hypothetically, you could play with anybody in the world, if you're awake at the same time they are. Um, Sign-up begins for this on the 20th of January, and nope, closes... this Wednesday. Sorry? Sign-up opens this Wednesday. Why has he said the 20th of January? It runs. It, the tournament starts on the 20th. It uh, goes through the 3rd of February. Okay. English there, Bruce. English. I'm not the one that wrote this. I know. <laughs> Michelle wrote this really quickly. Um, it opens this. Oh, okay. It opens this Wednesday, and it will run on the twentieth of January till the third of February. So they're also allowing you time to be able to organise your Practice. games with the people that um, are registered with you. That you're. Yep. Which, uh, if you're going to run things for international, is actually a really smart way of doing it. Yep. Uh, this isn't the only one I've seen. Uh, uh, Star Wars Legion is actually doing their own. Uh, nice. Through, as well, uh, through TTS. So it's kind of cool that since we can't have conventions right now because of COVID, we're still able to get kind of the tournament avenues out there through TTS. Yeah. Um, so. Which you definitely need if, if this hobby is going to continue to thrive. Yes. Um, I mean, it appears that most hobby stores, at least, have um, been... Seeing a good continue not stores, sorry, uh, companies have been seeing an influx of business. Um, but depending on how long this goes, I think we're still running a point of where we're going to start seeing a couple drop off if we're not careful. So continue to support your locals where you have the choice choice to. Uh, Absolutely. If you've got a local that's closed but do have online shopping, take advantage of it because if that place closes then you've got nowhere to play your games. Um, yep. it, it's more important than most of us realise, I think. And they are the stores that are really hurting more than anybody else at the moment. Because they're also the stores that are not getting support from other avenues. Mm -hmm. Most countries, not all, but most countries are trying to do things to support small business in one way or another. Um but it's usually focused on, like, your restaurants and the, the, the yep. popular stuff. Yeah. So. More mainstream. Yeah. But uh, otherwise... Speaking of upcoming yeah. events, Gen Con uh, is still hoping to come. Uh, they've got tentative dates of August 5th to the 8th. 
They're obviously still waiting to hear About from medical communities. Yeah, and everything. So they haven't set stuff in stone for, for registration and everything like that. They're just kind of holding on things. They've um, still got enough leeway know. where they can allow for because it's not it's going to be a few months before we really know the answers of that. So they because they're later in the year, they have the benefit of actually waiting for that. Yes. So um, I just want to put that out there uh, that we may see Gen Con happen. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed, and hopefully a few more conventions that are planned out normally later on in the year, as the vaccine goes around the world and gets distributed more. Yeah. Uh, we'll see more of those conventions start popping back up again. Yeah, but otherwise, at least at this particular point in time, I think that's going to be us. I think so. Um, very, very quickly, thank you to those that continue to support us, whether it be through the financial means of Patreon or by sharing our content around with those that you feel would benefit from it. Um, if you are in a position where you feel that you can support the channel, it's only $2 a month. Um, that That's all that we're asking. Uh, it gives you early access to every video that we do. Well, sorry. It gives you access to early access to at least 80% of the videos that we do. There are occasional videos that will go immediately out, uh, and they're usually fairly obvious as to why. Um, you can find that at patreon.com slash gettingtabled. Social media-wise, we're on almost everything. Facebook is definitely the one to find us on, primarily. Facebook.com slash gettingtabled. It's the best place to contact us. You can contact us on email as well, which is gettingtabled at gmail.com. But otherwise, just send a message to the page and you will get a response from one of us, potentially Michelle as well, Um, depending on what time of the day you send it and who's awake. On everything else, we are at Getting Tabled. It's almost like we have a theme that we designed from the start. Anything else from you, Captain Sox? Been fun. I'm excited to get back into the, the what we used to. We built the hot LZ up around yeah. is, is getting back into the tactics of talking ships and strategies. It is what so. ga- game talk was always supposed to be about, and we kind of just left it on the wayside after missing it a few times. So. Yep. We're definitely keen on getting more of that going. But otherwise, I'm going to play the outro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Shiz, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Tabled, music used in this podcast was created by Bonnie Grace at EpidemicSound.com. And on a side note, let us know what you think of these bumpers as opposed to the other ones. <laughs>